Welcome to the Flatline with your host, Rick Hughes. For the next 30 minutes, you'll be inspired, motivated, educated, but never manipulated. Now, your host, Rick Hughes. Good morning and welcome to the Flatline. I'm your host, Rick Hughes, and for the next 30 minutes, I'd like to invite you to stay with me. You know it's 30 minutes of motivation, inspiration, some education, and no manipulation. You know that. You've heard me say it every show. I mean, I say the same words every time, and it's always for two reasons, for me to get my voice warmed up, but also to let you know that we have no hidden agendas here because we are not trying to sell you anything, and we're not trying to manipulate you into joining anything. We have some things we'd be willing to give you, which are some books that we've written, but they're free. They're never any charges on this radio show. They're really the the only thing we're trying to do here is give you something, and that something is called accurate information. It is not human speculation. It is accurate information and uh, based on what is said in the canon of Scripture or the Bible. I know, I know. You're going to change it now. It's a, one of those Bible shows, Martha. Turn it off. And I hope not because this is not like some of the Bible shows that you might hear from time to time. No no ranting and no raving, no yelling, no telling you that you're going to go spend eternity in the lake of fire because you drive a Ford Mustang, you know. And that's an analogy, obviously. I like Ford Mustangs, but that's what I'm saying. You know, people, they got to come up with the craziest stuff. You know, you're going to go to the lake of fire because you eat peanuts. And so people are always trying to tell you what the Bible says. And when, in fact, it doesn't say that at all. And unless you check it out for yourself, unless you come to understand actually what's there or get under the ministry of a trusted pastor that's not going to mislead you, then you're all the time going to be manipulated by people like this that want to place some kind of burden on you and tell you you can do this and you can't do that. And, and if you don't meet up to their expectations, they're going to throw you out of the church and probably would be the best thing that ever happened to you. But that's for you to decide. But if you'll listen to this show, I can promise you one thing, no games and no gimmicks, just accurate information. We call it the flat line because we're trying to use a military analogy to teach you how to develop a flat line or a main line of resistance. And that's what flat is, a forward line of troops. It is a military analogy. We're trying to get you to develop that main line of resistance in your mentality, in your mind so that you can stop the outside source of adversity before it ever becomes the inside source of stress. We cannot stop adversity. We live in the devil's world, and we're going to face adversity. But we can stop worrying. We can stop being bitter. We can stop being vindictive. We do not have to have self-pity. All of these things we do not have to live with because the Christian life is a totally unique and different way to live. And our Lord Jesus Christ demonstrated that when he was here, when he walked around as a human and gave us the perfect example of how to live in the devil's world. And Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can live that same sort of life that he lived while he was here. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can use God's word to illustrate and to lead And you can have victory over the devil by putting on the armor of God, as Paul taught us in Ephesians chapter 6. This is not an impossible lifestyle. 
What makes it impossible are rules and regulations imposed by men who don't teach what the Bible says. Consequently, they put burdens on you that you cannot carry. And we will see that today in our show. If you listen last week, we're, we've been studying divine guidance. We've been looking at a topic called divine guidance. At issue is, how do I know the will of God for my life? There are three wills that God has in regards to you. And this is in review from what I taught you last week, but first of all, let me remind you of the directive will of God. God has a directive will for you, which means that if you're in fellowship with him, that means you're not under the flesh, you're not carnal, you're not walking in the flesh, you're in fellowship with God, and how do you do that? Problem-solving device number one, rebound. You've rebounded. You've dealt with your sin. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. You're not letting the sin nature control your life. Good. Then you can follow the directive will of God. God has a geographical will for your life. God has a viewpoint will for your life. And God has an operational will for your life. Now go back over it. Geographical will. He has a place he wants you to be. Viewpoint will. He has something that he wants you to think. Operational will. He has something that he wants you to do. All of these things were first taught to me by my very own pastor. And as I relay the information to you that he taught to me, uh, you can relay it on to your family, to people that you love. It's the word of God. It's free. No one has a, uh, a price. You can't put a price on it. No one can say, I own this. No, no one owns it. It's free. We got it free. We give it away free. The operational will of God, where does he want me to be? I mean, God has a specific place that he wants you to live? Yes, he does. And a lot of times it's directly connected with where you can be fed spiritually, where you can get into a good local church, where you can best serve in that church, and where you can represent Christ to the community in the body of Christ in a local church. And then the viewpoint will of God, he has something he wants me to think. Yes, he wants you to renovate your thinking. He wants you not to think human viewpoint, but divine viewpoint, which is related to his word. What does the Bible say? Remember when Jesus was tempted in Matthew chapter 4, the way that he defeated the devil was by quoting scripture. And that's exactly the same thing for you. Quoting scripture is the basis of using the faith rest drill which is problem-solving device number three. And then there's an operational will of God. What does he want me to do? And that means he's equipped you with certain talents. He's equipped you with certain gifts, spiritual gifts. And where you serve God has to do with what your spiritual gift is. It's like your position on the team. Uh, since I was a football player, we could use that, or I was also involved in track. I was not a sprinter. I was uh, through the discus. I threw the shot put. And if you put me on the 100-yard dash, I was going to lose every time. But if you put me in the shot put a circle, I was going to win every time. That's where I went. That's where I was best suited. And God has a place where you're best suited to serve him. Now, <clears throat> that is the, <clears throat> excuse me, the directive will of God. There's also the permissive will of God. And this is when God allows you to do some stupid, dumb, irresponsible things. He will let you do that because sometimes you're too hard-headed. Sometimes you can't learn the easy way. You have to learn the hard way. 
So when you get carnal, when you get out of fellowship with God under the control of your sin nature, then God will allow you to step out on your own to go down that my way highway, and uh, he will not direct your path at that point in time. Your volition will choose what you want to do. You won't look at, you won't listen to the Bible. You'll listen to your friends. You'll listen to some psychologist. You'll listen to some new age whatever, and you'll say, oh, this is what I should do to be happy. Wrong. It's the my way highway. And after you beat your brains out, then maybe you'll come back and say, God, what's wrong with me? Well, what's wrong with you is you abandoned the plan of God a long time ago, and you went out in your own frantic search for happiness. Do do you not trust God? Don't you realize that he has your best interests in mind? He created you. He loves you. He would do nothing to hurt you. He has nothing but the best for you, and yet you're not interested? You don't have time to even learn what it is because you're too busy doing whatever it is that you do? Well, then there's the overruling will of God. And the overruling will of God steps in when you're about to destroy yourself. Maybe God's not ready for you to destroy yourself. Maybe he wants you to stay around here and suffer a little while longer. And he won't let you destroy yourself. That's the overruling will of God. And I'm being facetious. Don't freak out when I said he may want you to stay around and suffer a while longer. But remember, there's no suffering in heaven. So if you're under divine discipline, and if God's chastising you, in order to do that, he's got to leave you here, right? So sometimes you might not check out soon enough. You might wish you could be gone. Your life is so miserable and full of so much pain. And maybe the Lord's keeping you here to give you a little bit more because you couldn't learn, because you were so rebellious, because you just stuck your nose up at God and went your way. Now listen, please, don't misunderstand me. God loves you. But divine discipline comes into all of our lives. All of us, Hebrews 12, 6, we get divine discipline. Those whom he loves, he chastens. He scourges with a whip, Hebrews tells us. And there is something called the sin unto death. And Proverbs 15, 10 talks about, if we hate the reproof of God, we shall die. The reproof of God is God correcting us, God chastising us. And he does it to keep us from dying. He does it to keep us from self-destruction. He does it to get us off of the my way, highway, And just like any parent would do for their child. God loves you. Your parents love you. Your parents don't want to see you self-destruct. And God does not want to see you self-destruct either. Listen, it's critical that you understand the doctrine of divine guidance. Divine guidance. How can I know what God wants me to do? And let me give you a few principles here, okay? One, divine guidance is the communication of God's will for you through his word called the Bible. It's it's the communication of God's will for you through his word, which we call the Bible. Two, the will of God for your immediate life is found in every verb of the New Testament where the imperative mood is used. Did you hear me? The will of God for your immediate life is found in every verb of the New Testament where the imperative mood is used. Verbs show action. And when a verb is used in the Bible, here's one. Let me give an example. 
Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. All right, study is a verb. And when you break down a verb, you remember diagramming those sentences in high school? A verb has a fourfold navigational tense on it. In the Greek, it has the mood, it has the tense, has the voice, and the etymology. When I say in the Greek, this was written in Greek, not in English. Remember that. And the mood is the imperative mood. Study is an imperative mood. That means it is not God asking you to do this. It is God telling you to do this. It's the imperative mood. It's the commander's intent. If you have a military background, you know what that means. Three, before the canon of Scripture was completed, God often revealed his will through direct communication, such as dreams, visions, even angels. That was before the canon of Scripture was completed, before people had a Bible in their hands. Now God speaks through his word. He's not going to give you a direct revelation, such as a dream or a vision. And these people that tell you they've had a vision about your life, run. If they come up and they want to prophesy over you, run, get away. It's not from God, I promise you. Here's something for you to remember. Four, sometimes God will use divine discipline. And discipline can be like a whip or a goad to keep us in line with his will. When the discipline comes, your choice is to run away and get out of there or to listen up, pay attention, and respond. Because five, your volition can respond to his discipline or your volition can react to his discipline. It depends on you. You just simply may lack the courage to follow God's will or you may reject the notion that God has a will for you at all. But God has a plan for your life. And until you understand that plan, until you learn that plan, you're never going to have the happiness and the confidence that you could. Six, divine guidance and the execution of the will of God is always a private matter between you and God. And I tell you this straight up. Stay away from counselors. Stay away from these people that you pay money and they want to tell you what God's will for your life is. That is ridiculous. It is all in the Word of God. It is all in the Bible. Get under a qualified pastor. Listen to the teaching of the Word of God and be patient and God will reveal it to you. There's nothing wrong with a sick person going to a doctor. And if you're sick and mentally and you need a psychiatrist, that's fine. I'm not complaining about that, but I'm telling you there are Christian counselors on every corner, and they all want to tell you what God wants you to do with your life. And by the way, you pay on your way out. That is not ordained in the Word of God. Nowhere in the Word of God is anyone allowed to charge for giving advice about what the Scripture says. And if they don't give you scriptural advice, then what the heck did you go for? You're going to get human viewpoint advice? Go out and eat some some daisies and look for four-leaf clovers and you'll be happy? Come on. you got two ways of looking at things. What does the Bible say and what does the world say? And you have to make your decision. I can't make it for you. But I can assure you, you're going to be a lot happier and a lot better off when you want to know what God says about it. 
Let me tell you what Jesus says about it. He offers you an invitation. If you're struggling in your daily life, let me read Matthew 11, verses 28 through verses 30. Listen carefully. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. These words were spoken to Jews who were under religious ritual, imposed by the, rabbi, the rabbis and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And, I mean, these Jews couldn't live up to all this stuff. The ritual was unbelievable. You had the, the Sunday pharisaical police that would walk around trying to find people that could look for people that they could find for breaking the law. So notice this mandate. Remember the imperative mood I told you all ago, a while ago, that the imperative mood of the verb is a command. This is an imperative mood. Come. C-O-M-E. It's an imperative mood of the original Greek word dute. It's spelled D-E-U-T-E. Dute. It's a very forceful interjection. So if you're wandering around trying to figure out which way should I go, well, here's your answer. Come to me. You hear that? Could it be any clearer? Come to me. Here is your Lord Jesus Christ, the very person that died for you, the very person that took your judgment upon himself, with his arms open, saying, come to me. Why not? What would stop you? Are you embarrassed? Are you ashamed of your past? Are you ashamed of what you've done? Do you think God can't forgive you. As long as you're alive, there's still a plan, I promise you. Come unto me, the pronoun me, all you that labor. This means those of you that are tired or exhausted. And then he goes on to say, who labor and are heavy laden. This means carrying a heavy load. Sometimes we carry a load that breaks our heart. We see our children do things that break our heart. We see our spouses do things that destroy our marriage. We see circumstances in our country that are guaranteed road to destruction, and it breaks our heart. It breaks our heart to see politicians that lie. It breaks our heart to see politicians that have an agenda that is not even close to what the founders of this country intended. And what do we do? Well, we can gripe about it. We can be sad and forlorn, or we can come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, if you're laboring, if you're carrying a heavy load or a burden, I will give you rest. And that's a future tense verb. That means when you come, you got to come first. You can't get rest standing across the street. Use an analogy, you've got to come to the arms of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you can have the rest when he's loving you, when he's holding you, and then you're at peace. I will give you rest. What does that mean? It means relief from the burden that you're carrying. You know, <clears throat> it's an interesting thing here. 
people that have unrealistic demands as well as horrific circumstances can face anxiety and stress-related illnesses. And we see it all the time, even in our own military forces. We see it. We see men that come back, women that come back from combat. They've seen horrible circumstances, and they have haunting memories. Memories of combat in Iraq or Afghanistan where even their best friend's life may have been lost. Sometimes they face what's called post-traumatic stress symptoms. And, you know, it's strange, but it seems like the world does everything it can to stop these people from getting the Bible. They don't want to give them Bibles in military hospitals. They don't want to give them the teaching of the Word of God. It may offend someone, you know. Listen, coping skills are necessary to deal with death and destruction. Coping skills are necessary to deal with death and destruction. When I see a movie and and, and I see someone dealing with death and destruction of a family member in a movie and they don't have coping skills, it's interesting how they try to handle it. Some withdraw and, and just sit by the grave for days. Others get bitter and angry at God for taking a loved one because there are no coping skills. Coping skills are essential for our military because it helps them deal with death and destruction. And the coping skills that I'm talking about are these 10 problem-solving devices, the flot line on their soul. Without it, they don't have any answers. You know, spiritual support for our troops and our fallen warriors has been suppressed today. In 2011, a U.S. district judge had to get involved in a case in Houston, Texas, at a, at a cemetery, a military cemetery, because a Christian pastor was told to stop using the name of Jesus Christ in his prayer. That's crazy. And I know for a fact that even at West Point Academy, because I read you a letter last week from a student at West Point, even at West Point Academy, our nation's, one of our nation's finest military institutions, along with Annapolis and the Air Force Academy as well, public prayers must be nonspecific. They won't let them pray in the name of Jesus Christ. I've talked to people that have written prayers at West Point, and they had to be nonspecific prayers. What's left to support the doubt and the dread when the combat begins if you can't go to God? I can assure you one thing. Prayers are still offered by our troops when they go into combat and they request safe missions. And it doesn't make any difference what their religion is. If they are Christians and believers in Jesus Christ, And they're trusting in God to deliver them in the combat arena. So when Jesus said, if you come to me, then I will give you strength. I will refresh you. I will take this burden away from you. I will give you time to recover. Time to be refreshed. Mm. Isn't that amazing? When I'm talking about these combat veterans that are facing all of this stress in their life, I learned just recently 
that for the second year in a row, more American soldiers had committed suicide than were killed in the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan for the last two years. More American soldiers committed suicide. The figure that I was given was 468 men and women veterans committed suicide. 462 were killed in the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. The retired vice chief of staff of the United States Army, General Peter Shirelli, said this, If you think you know the one thing that causes people to commit suicide, please let us know because we don't know what it is. He's worked very hard before he retired to stop or reduce the suicide rates in the Army. The one thing I can tell you, the one thing that I know, is that the Word of God in your soul in a combat situation, will give you the peace that passes understanding. Paul said it this way in Philippians 4, 7, And the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. You know why people commit suicide? No peace. They can't live with a burden. Sometimes it's a sickness. I'm not a doctor. I don't know. But I can tell you this. I know many, many believers who have served in combat, and they had the coping skills to deal with what they said. And out of the many that I know, none have committed suicide. I believe it's because they have the Word of God. I believe it's because they have the confidence of God. I believe it's because the Lord has given them strength. Listen to Psalms 29, verse 11. The Lord will give strength unto his people, and the Lord will bless his people with peace. Strength and peace. Those are coping skills. That gives you the ability to face horrific situations, to deal with haunting memories and put them out of your mind, to focus on the Word of God. Psalm 91 is a passage that many of the veterans that I know, they claim it every day. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God, and in Him will I trust. Surely He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence, and He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. You shall not be afraid of terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Wow. There's the confidence. There's the peace. There's the strength. There's the coping skills that allows the Christian warrior to live a life of peace. I hope you're listening. I hope you're making sense because this is God's will for you, I assure you. Until next week, this is Rick Hughes saying thank you for listening to The Floodline. Thank you for listening to The Floodline with your host, Rick Hughes. If you'd like to contact Rick, please write to him at P.O. Box 100 Cropwell, Alabama, 
or online at www.rickhughesministries.org.